Don't be afraid to hire. <laughs> I mean, we really almost do, did all the work on uh, with only two people the first three years. Mm -hmm. uh, marketing, content writing, sales. Uh, Very efficient. <laughs> developing, uh, support. Uh, and we thought, okay, we will stay at two people uh, until making one million. And then we made one, one million and uh, yeah, what we do now? Yeah, we hire people. Yeah, yeah. Hello and welcome to the newest episode of My Composable Commerce Leaders podcast. Today I'm joined by Alexander Feigelstorfer, who is the co-founder and CTO of the Headless Commerce CMS Storyblock. Uh, Alex uh, is a full-time entrepreneur who already enjoyed great success in the commerce system landscape, uh, had a few more startups uh, that he told me about in, during this conversation. And he started with his uh, co-founder, Dominic Angera, Storyblock, uh, almost eight years ago. So this will be a very interesting, insightful uh, conversation about his view on the market, uh, some backgrounds about Storyblock and uh, how they uh, help customers today uh, to achieve uh, business outcomes and objectives. So let's get started and enjoy. Welcome to the newest episode of the Composable Commerce Leaders Podcast, together today with Alex, who is the CTO and co-founder of Storyblock. Welcome, Alex. Hello. Great. Um, let's start maybe with, um, you know, a bit background about yourself, you know, how, how and where you started, uh, your current role in the organization and how you got into digital commerce. Yeah. Hello, I'm uh, Alex Fagelstorfer. I'm the CTO of Storyblock, a uh, headless CMS. Um, my journey actually started uh, way, way uh, long ago, uh, about 25 years ago, where I, where I created my first website. Uh, and I really tried a lot, I tried out a lot of different um, content management systems. Also built a few ones, uh, a lot of them failed and uh, I worked at different agencies and uh, also I built a uh, three other startups, which, uh, which all, all, all of them failed basically, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I learned a lot and, uh, it was really like amazing and amazing experience. Like also the last, uh, startup actually was an e-commerce startup, uh, that, um, was similar to Shopify, but for the Brazilian market. So, um, it was an e-commerce solution that was very, uh, very successful, but then got got uh, sold to Vitex. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, after that uh, experience, uh, I decided to move from move back from Brazil to Austria. And uh, there I started at an agency um, that had uh, very big clients. Uh, it's called Net Natural. And uh, at that digital agency, we had um, we had a big uh, CMS implementation team and the front-end team and the design team. Uh, and I thought, okay, uh, 
nobody wants to work at the CMS implementation team. Why is that that way? And why is CMS imp implementation so difficult? And oh, it, it was just, they had so, so many struggles there. And um, I took all the experience from, from, from the past time and uh, we had a nice e-commerce pro project going on. And uh, at that e-commerce project, uh, I actually worked on the first version of Storyblock. And uh, using e-commerce and uh, good working CMS together, there was the requirement basically to, to have it headless because uh, otherwise you, uh, you, you could not be able like, to, to create really uh, rich experiences. Uh, so I developed that in a few months. We had the first pro prototype. The client used it. And surprisingly, we didn't even uh, have to introduce the client to the system. And he started just to uh, create marketing pages and... Without uh, training. Yeah, without training. And that was the first time that this happened. And it was just so a different experience from uh, um, the last times we introduced the scene to the client because we needed to give them a manual and uh, then they still had asked, uh, they, they still had questions from it and we need to make trainings and so on. So uh, I, I knew that from that time on, uh, we are some, on something that uh, can be successfully globally. So... Uh, yeah, then I I met my co-founder Dominic and uh, at the same agency, yeah, and we implemented uh, different projects for the, for for the agency customers and uh, worked on on different enterprise projects and uh, it took off like uh, <laughs> okay, yeah. interesting. And so this was eight years ago, right? So where yeah, so so when when this headless CMS space was you right so so is it fair to say that you created or co-created this category it was pretty new i mean there was uh contentful out there uh there was a headless cms called uh butter cms out there but they were very basic and uh they would have required also the same manual for the uh user to use because there were just forms where the the user needs to import and uh, input the data, and there uh, there was no visual feedback for them, so it was very difficult to use. It was just like another uh, CMS, but headless. And Storyblock has a, little, uh, a different approach. You have uh, the comfort of a page builder together with the um, headless approach, which is very easy to use for for the developer. So uh, as a result the CMS implementation department of the agency uh, after introducing a story block didn't exist anymore. So we don't need, didn't need that people anymore. So we <laughs> you killed this business. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it was good because like they uh, now were, uh, had more time and they just went uh, into the front end development and uh, we could spend more time on the projects and real cre uh, creative work. And, and how do you how do you position uh, Storyblock uh, nowadays, right? So so like from a market segment perspective, so is it like an SMB tool, is an enterprise tool, you know, from from like merging the experience together, like with the commerce, you know, uh, players. Is there any uh, regional or industry or sector focus that you guys have, or is it like you know you're doing all industries all around the world for 
you know, different segments of the market? Uh, I would say we, we are doing all, um, I mean, we, we also have a community plan where you can uh, build uh, simple, small projects, uh, but we can use uh, extensions and our app store, for example, to uh, have the enterprise readiness. And uh, initially we had like, we had the CMS in mind for enterprise uh, clients. So that was our goal uh, when creating Storyblock. But now it turned out that also like small and medium-sized businesses I can use it efficiently. And uh, a lot of people uh, just subscribe to the self-service plan we have. It's cloud-based, uh, you don't need to show any, anything. So it's ideal if you, if you want to just, if you are an agency, have big clients, but just want to try out Storyblock, uh, you just uh, use like self-service and create a lighthouse project. That's how most of our uh, partners actually got in uh, get introduced to Storyblock. Okay, and, and and where does the name come from? So, what was the idea behind Storyblock as a, as a name? Uh, it it was actually um, because of the need of storytelling. Uh, we had that e-commerce store, but it has uh, those marketing pages that were very beautiful designed, and but uh, you could not create them uh, with the CMS that was used for in the in the built-in e-commerce solution so uh, we needed to build something that uh, lets the user tell those stories and use that components and make it uh, attractive for the user so something like if you go to apple.com and see the iphone uh, page or uh, the mac page it always tells the story of how great the product is and and so on so on. Uh, really enrich uh, enrich the product pages with uh, with stories, and and um, for a story you need um, the blocks, the the elements. Uh, every story has uh, has elements in it, and you start, for example, with the teaser and so on, and with the with the features it has. So uh, to tell the story, you have the blocks, and that's why the name story block. Okay, okay, <laughs> yeah, it just makes sense. And um, from a value proposition, so so and, and from which business objectives you really help to achieve. So when you are talking, you know, to to the business, you know, and and kind of let's put the technology aspect aside for a second, right? So what is it that you are pitching them on, right? So so is there any is is there any specific you know metric or metrics that you help to you know make better uh, and you know achieve certain goals, uh, or how does the goal to market look like? High ROI. So, uh, as I said, at the agency, we really uh, didn't need the CMS implementation uh, team anymore. So, uh, a lot of cost savings, um, faster go to market, uh, you're really very fast to, to implement it, to integrate it to existing solutions. Um, I mean, th those those are really killer features. and. Uh, it's, it's, I think there's no system where Storyblock cannot in, be integrated. We even integrated into a Salesforce uh, B2B commerce uh, shop. Um, so it's really um, with the headless approach, you just can comp compose your, your architecture and uh, that's. Uh, that's basically it. And is it still? I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, positively surprised. It's still the case that some companies uh, are not yet using, you know, 
convention systems, which are now, let's put the headless aspect aside, but, you know, feels like CMS is around for 20 years or so, right? Where, you know, people used to pay someone to manage the content or create the content. And with the rise of the CMS category as such, it somehow <laughs> got solved that still you, you, you would meet customers today who, for, for who this ROI aspect is important and who would then say, hey, you know, now I can do it myself. I don't need to pay. Okay, interesting. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I mean, um, it was also like uh, at the agency, uh, it was the case that for, for some customers, uh, the developers just implemented a static page uh, builder uh, and they used JSON files to manage the content. And, and I think there are a lot of uh, developers that start this way. And, um, and maybe on a later step, use Storyblock to manage those JSONs. And that the, the big advantage is here because of the flexible stru uh, structure you can, the data structure you can make with Storyblock, you can just take this, uh, this JSONs you, you made and uh, build the data model in our system and use the same JSON actually in with the API and don't need to change any code. Just call the API instead of use a JSON file. Yeah, yeah. No, this makes sense. And do you remember when was the first time you heard about composable cameras? And, and you know, when uh, when you speak to, to customers or to partners, so, so how do you explain it? Like in your, in your own words, because like what, what, what I always find is that people have their own examples and analogies, right? To make it like easy for people to understand. So, so is there any best practice you developed in explaining composable cameras and when, when do you remember was the first? The first time I actually learned about that term at, at a project at Adidas where we, we need, needed to make a P2P uh, store. And uh, we had a lot of different components used and uh, yeah, it's it struggled a lot this project. Like it, it was uh, while I worked at the agency, and we didn't had uh, a story block as a solution. <laughs> so uh, it was very monolithic, and step by step, uh, they introduced the composable parts of it. They uh, actually worked around the 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 original structure that it had which was very monolithic and then you needed uh, to use um, your own templating language. And uh, they went away during the project and made all API based yeah. and hacked around the system to make it composable. Yeah, I see. So uh, it's, it's, it's a crazy story. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's how, how uh, I can explain it also to my, my customers, like at the end, what the fronted uh, needs is an API and not another new templating language need to learn. Right, right. Okay, no, this makes sense. And you know, when you talk when you talk to business counterparts, right? So, 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 what's the um, what, what I'm learning more and more when when you know we talk to our clients is that uh, it's great that you know our industry keeps on coming up with. With nice new, you know, either architecture approaches or new labels for already like existing architecture approaches or paradigms. But the business, especially now in the current macro, would you know come and say and ask, hey, you know, why would I care, right? So what's in for me, right? So so why 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 would I care about you know composability? Uh, so 
is this something that you hear as well, where you know increasingly customers want to to pitch on the business value and not necessarily on the the beautiness of the technology? Yeah, sure. Uh, I mean, uh, the technology landscape is is changing, and that's how you mostly get uh, the the customers like uh, basically uh, informed or how how could I say um, attract the customers because like for example you have IoT you have uh, AIs that can use the APIs uh, of your system uh, you have a mobile platform you have different devices right so uh, traditional systems cannot connect to all that that um, different platforms and it's evolving so 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 fast so. Uh, today is AI. Next thing is voice. Uh, I don't know. It's it's evolving so fast. We we haven't explored three D and meta uh, completely. So it is already AI. Yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah, I think with the technology landscape uh, changing so fast, and every year coming something new, uh, it's. The compose com composable approach is just unavoidable. Uh, and what is the the advantage of composable cameras versus, you know, the more traditional kind of monolithic, you know, approaches? The advantage. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's because it's the components are so interchangeable, and uh, connectable to other systems. And and any any disadvantages as well that you see? So because like people are always focused on. Why things are better, but you know, there's also complexity, right? Coming, coming with it, you know, hopefully, uh, and 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 often also like you know risks uh, into implementation, maybe like higher costs is something that you see as well. Uh, no, I actually see uh, lower costs with it because the systems are made in a way that you can just easily exchange that uh, technology behind it later if you want to. Uh, so. In short term, maybe the initial cost will be higher, but in long term, the development team will be uh, way happier, and it's also easier to to find developers that just can uh, call an API than find finding developers that can uh, understand a specific templating language of uh, of that platform. Yeah, uh, that makes sense, and in. In terms of like uh, business um, outcomes and objectives, so so how do you at Storyblock ensure and track that the, the business outcomes that you discussed? So you said, for example, ROI, right? So you have a customer who really wants to, you know, have a faster, you know, return on invest, or they want to lower lower the cost. So walk us a little bit through how how you ensure that, right? And how you track, ideally, like six months, you know, into into the project, twelve months of the project, that customers really achieving these business objectives. So we have uh, customer success managers that are like tracking that, like on uh, on every project, mm -hmm. and uh, there we can like the, the easiest ways is it to track on like with our partners because they are agencies and they know usually how long does it take for a project to go live, and uh, if some project of the similar size is going live faster, then they immediately can see the effect. Mm -hmm. uh, with uh, other cu uh, customers where they have an uh, in-house development team, it's often more difficult beca mm -hmm. because like a new CMS is not something that, that is coming every year. It's uh, almost 
it's something, an investment that you take maybe for the next five years yeah. and then you decide again. So uh, for uh, bigger customers like uh, Adidas, for example, it's it's a, a decision that, or uh, uh, it's something that can be di more difficult to track than for agencies, for example. Is there any is there any threshold in terms of digital maturity or, or like someone who you would not recommend to go down this composable cameras route and and you know headless CMS route specifically, or would you say hey you know in general everyone should you know should should look into that uh, because what we find is you need to be very clear on what the precondition is right so sometimes it's like giving a very sophisticated tool into the hands of someone who is just not there yet right and it it might you know worst case even do more harm than good uh, so is there any precondition that you learned that, that you are looking out for that you're advising your partners to look out for when it comes to composable cameras and you know application of your technology yeah i mean you know uh for very small projects uh still like that that good old json and uh static uh site builder generator is could be a good thing uh i mean if you don't have a big marketing team you just have a few developers and, and they need to take care of the website. It's still a good thing. Uh, and also like if you have, um, if you just want to build landing pages and don't have the resources of the developers, you can just use a, a page builder. I mean, but the use cases are very rare. And if you want to really go professionally, I think there's no way uh, around it today. With all your experience, uh, also in commerce, like the previous commerce experience that you that you that you mentioned, I mean, composable commerce is still relatively you know new in terms of trend, and I think also Gartner now says that you know it will definitely take you know longer and more time than what they initially thought when it comes to adoption. So, uh, however, what what is your view on kind of the trend and the evolution of composability going forward, like the next three to five years, either from a technical architecture perspective or from applying the concept and the methodology perspective. So how do you see this, you know, playing out and evolving? Is it something that like, you know, majority of the businesses will adopt? Is it something that you say, hey, you know, this will, even even at its peak, only 20% of the businesses will get there and the rest won't, right? Or do you say, hey, this is just the first step. It will be much, much more fragmented even than it is at the moment, or it will be consolidated uh, even more so. So, so what's your... What's your view here? My my goal is to have ninety nine percent on on API based systems, but uh, there there will be always like uh, uh, customers that uh, will choose uh, a monolithic approach maybe, um, and but really it's it's just a matter of time when when all will adopt to API based systems. It's uh, it's just so much easier to to build onto and uh, as I said not only the devices are changing also the programming languages of the front-end developers for example are evolving what is if uh, JavaScript is maybe not a thing anymore in the future you have uh, build all your websites in JavaScript and build maybe uh, something uh, monolithic and you need a new, new system. So with APIs, you can just exchange it. So yeah, I think it's uh, 
and they go to solution in the future. But do you think that the market will 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 get there? Uh, because it's interesting. We are both now in in West Palm Beach at the B two B online, and I had a couple of conversations here with with people. Right, it feels it feels like you know the challenges many of them have are light years away even from composable cameras. Right, people are still struggling with you know product product data. People are still uh, some some of them would not have anything at all, right? So so no digital coverage capabilities, right? So so I'm just, I'm always interested in, is this like a bubble that, you know, we live in, like in our category and we are like, you know, let's let's get 99% onto, you know, cloud-based and, you know, uh, API-based uh, systems or uh, wh wh while people are struggling with much more fundamental stuff or is this something where you say, hey, you know, let's give it another three to five years and then we will get to your 99% coverage. Yeah, let's give it uh, a little bit of more time. I mean, it's it also depends a little bit on the country. There are countries that are adapting faster to that te technology, and we see that uh, and every technology is swift. In Europe, it was like this, like the northern countries were the first that were adapting to that API-based approach and composable uh, commerce. What do you think this, this is? Uh, it's, I think it's just a cultural thing. Uh, so uh, Sweden, Norway, there were a lot of uh, key interests and uh, in this new technology, and they are adapting very fast. And then uh, at, at two years later, all all of the southern Germany, uh, all of the German companies wanted to have API-based uh, solutions, and that's um, yeah, it's it's, uh, it's a little bit. Uh, a, a uh, cultural thing and also um, I cannot uh, forget to mention that also the influencers uh, have a lot of impact uh, so the community uh, is listened to listen to like for example in the Brazilian market they have uh, um, a strong Portuguese uh, speaking community uh, and if they don't talk about headless it will not be a thing until they talk about headless. You know, the influencers, the influencers are influencing the, the developers because they are not uh, not all uh, English speaking. You know, they have their own community. And that's the same with all the all, all the markets. And in terms of the current macro environment, which I think is you know challenging uh, for for many many businesses, right? And this general strive for efficiency. Do, do you still feel like Talking about composable cameras, right, is 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 a relevant topic, you know, to these companies at the moment, or are they have completely different challenges, right, from, you know, how to reduce the cost and you know how to do more with less and how to innovate, uh, or, or do you do you still think like this is you know a very clear there is a very clear correlation between you know tough macro environment, execution and how composable cameras can help? Uh, yeah, I think uh, it depends on on. Uh on which department you ask. Uh, if you ask a development department, uh, I think there's uh, definitely no no way around the uh, the composable uh, commerce. I mean, they they will all the developers will all say to you, okay, uh, we want that composable approach. But there's sometimes sometimes a political decision in in, in the upper management uh, that says, okay, no, let's stick to the that to that stuff that we already know or already use and just improve that. So that's the, the most challenging uh, problem we have uh, to convince the, the C-levels 
to uh, to make that political move basically right. to to move to compose and commerce. And, and so it's actually a good point. So so did the uh, did the ask and the priorities did they in the narrative did it did it change in the last let's say like eighteen months twenty four months? Uh, you know, if you just kind of reflect on you know what people came to you with and what problems they had and what you know they asked you for or, or, or so so have you observed any any change in in in, in that uh, especially given what what's going on in the world yeah i mean uh what changed is the the, count, the countries like the uh, the the uh, countries that are basically the customers of specific custom uh, of of specific countries that are coming to us um so before it was more like uh like as i said we were the north and then germany uh then france and then italy and so and and and, and now we are uh very strong in brazilian market also we got a very uh, a few big customers and and the us market it was uh, uh always very strong in the self service side and uh now it's going going a little bit stronger in the uh and in the enterprise uh, side also so that's uh that has changed in the the recent months and and, and how is the, the the commercial model that you have is it just a subscription or are you charging you know per api calls or is it a combination or how do you how do you monetize the, the platform yeah it's um completely cloud-based and uh, SaaS solution uh, we have uh, self-service plans and we have enterprise plans um, the enterprise brands, you, you know, the uh, the customers contact us, and then we figure out uh, a price for them. Uh, you can create multiple play, uh, spaces, but there's also another uh, topic we have is partners. So they have uh, a specific place where they can uh, uh, research material, sales materials. They also get. Um, Get the free space for for the, their their own website, for example, to create those uh, to create a lighthouse project, and uh, so partners is is a very a big thing uh, for us too. So and, and partners would be typically agencies. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And maybe just a kind of semi technical, semi philosophical question, just uh, kind of following up on this transition from agencies. Which you know who have done the the content management work, you know, for clients pre CMS, right? And then this category kind of slowly disappearing. Like, in, uh, how do you personally, or or, or does your company um, think about about Gen AI, right, in this context? Because I, I I would imagine, you know, if I mean this is maybe one of the areas where creation of you know assets and creation of content is maybe the, the, one of the first one to be automized, right? So I think we all see this in our own companies already, right? How marketing content and, you know, other content is being, you know, generated and created fast, right? So where before you might have had like an army of of, of content people, right? And now you maybe need one 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 person knowing the person as well and, you know, prompting and fine tuning it. And same and, and same potentially also for the code side, right? Saying, hey, uh, because there are also different voices in the industry saying, hey, uh, this low-code, no-code editors, you know, they're also supposed to to die. Basically, they look like a joke, you know, compared to you know, you can fully generate uh, uh, the code, you know, uh, and the content, right? And maybe even like having this in one or two roles, like in a very lean team, right? So, so I mean, I think it's still early days, but what's 
what's your personal take and, and, and what's your company's take on how you want to tackle this in the future? So uh, for AI, we um, actually have a specific feature, which is called Writing Room, um, where you basically have the content creation uh, together with AI inside the CMS. Uh, it's it's uh, a little bit tricky, tricky from uh, from the legal perspective. Yeah, so it's a, a little bit tricky from the legal perspective. Uh, um, therefore, we will not a activate it as default option. Uh, it's an optional uh, setting, and um, from our company perspective, we uh, currently don't allow yet uh, to use AI in the company. But we are working on with our lawyers to uh, to make a guidance. Basically, uh, I I know that uh, a few people are using it privately and so on, and and especially for code code generating. But um, uh, you still know don't know hundred uh, percent where the data goes. And there's actually uh, I think a Swiss company that makes sure. The Swiss start startup. I don't know the uh, name yet, but uh, they actually make sure that your data is really protected and doesn't get feeded in in uh, any uh, AI uh, startup uh, without any data protection. And, and for this writing room, so so what's the language model behind it? So are you using like an API, like from 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 you know OpenAI or from ICL? Yeah, I, or are you having your own model that you? No, we have OpenAI. Okay. Trading our uh, own model would just be too expensive at the moment. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, we can do some simple, simple things like, for example, uh, suggesting uh, the next uh, content block you the user is some is, uh, is wants to insert. Basically, uh, there we are thinking about training our own model, but uh, for text generation, it's just too. Too expensive, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no. Um, maybe switching to uh, a few more personal questions now, right? So given given your uh, experience in, in in everything, right? So in the content space, in the cover space, like in, as an as an entrepreneur, uh, with with um, with a few with a few uh, startups, um, is there any advice that you would give to your kind of past self, let's say like two years ago, three years ago, like 10 years ago, uh, if you could go back in time, is there anything that you would want to share with yourself if you could? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, don't be afraid to hire. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we really almost did all the work on uh, with only two people the first three years. Uh, marketing, content writing, sales. Uh, Very efficient. <laughs> developing, uh, support. Uh, and we thought, okay, we will stay at two people uh, until making one million. And then we made one, one million. And uh, yeah, what we do now? Yeah, we hire people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it was, but we could have started earlier. I mean, uh, we had the money. We were profitable since the first month. And I would, I would, that would, that part I would change because now I see all, uh, with a team of 250 people, I see all the uh, amazing possibilities you have with, uh, with, with good staff and uh, good people. So I would hire earlier. Yeah. 
On the other hand, I think we, we, we have all seen the extremes, right, of the last couple of years where people, you know, overhired and, you know, spend like crazy and burn money like you know, there is no, no tomorrow. So maybe like, you know, it was also good for you guys to be lean and efficient, right? Yeah, it was very, uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, I can tell you a story about it. Uh, we were in the support check, chat and our uh, product development was like this. Somebody wrote a suggestion on the support chat, support chat, and the next day we had it already online. So we developed it uh, basically almost live and brought it online. So that's how we developed a lot of features, just uh, gathering customer feedback. Uh, also on 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 the sales side, sometimes we sold something that we did not have, and then overnight we had it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This is a, a you know I I'm always using this example of like one of the biggest and most valuable companies for sure in the world, like Tesla, you know, how I was waiting for two and a half years to get my yeah. to get my car and how some of the features like, you know, the autopilot and the rest are, are just not there yet, yeah. <laughs> despite me paying for it. So um, obviously this is not just something which is common in, the, in our industry. Um, and another question I would have is, is, is there anything that you are personally dramatically underestimated right uh in the last let's say five to ten years when you you look back in time and you know where you thought hey this this will be you know easy to do or this is a no-brainer and then it turned out to be you know a nightmare and you know a challenge or maybe the other way around where you say hey the, the way i i predicted this and that you know was exactly how it played out uh so my prediction was exactly on point um anything that comes to your mind yeah sure um I thought actually that we could not uh, have the same culture, uh, the startup culture, uh, with 250 people. And uh, I was really amazed because two weeks ago we had the first team retreat, the first ever team retreat. Like after Dominic and I, we were only two people, and now with 250 people. And Did you we, all of them together. Yeah, all of them together in Barcelona, and it was it was amazing because uh, the culture is still the same as we had uh, only with, with like me and Dominic. And uh, I would have thought, yeah, maybe uh, like with with hundred people, we are getting uh, getting different, or or I don't know the the culture changes and so on, but. I think that's that's something like uh, I underestimated. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it speaks to maybe you guys having having done a good job on you know laying the foundation. And and I've always like you know I I personally also think that culture is always like a bottom up thing, not a top down thing. And it's a little bit like you know the first couple of people that you you still personally hire if 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 those are hired right. Yeah. Then this reproduction, so to say, is a little bit like if you have kids, that, right? So that. The kids have 50% of your DNA and 50% of, of your wife's DNA. That's so true. Yeah. So, you know, the first 10 people, if they are done, because they keep on hiring then, right? So probably yeah. today you're not that much involved into hiring anymore, right? And 80, 90% of people, you know, you hire at Storyblock, we hire at Pryker, you don't see, I don't see anymore. They're hired by someone else. So it is, it's then very hard to fix, right? Because then yeah. you have to fix two and three layers of people, you know, doing all these interviews and assessments. That's totally true, yeah. yeah. Uh, so... Uh, I mean, uh, I still sometimes hire some positions directly, mm -hmm. 
uh, if they are really uh, important. Um, so our uh, HR team sometimes is surprised. What our CTO is wanting to <laughs> be involved. <laughs> No, but it me I mean it makes sense and I say again, you know, I think that that uh it can be critical roles, it can be just, you know, out of interest, but but still like I think majority of the people are then hired, you know, by yeah. the functions, right? And then if you know, I also learned it if you don't if, if you haven't make, made sure way before, you know, people again, right? It's like your kids growing up. If you haven't if if you teach them the values, right, uh, early on, you it, it's it, to start to fix this, you know, when they are thirty years old, yeah. it's, it's, it's definitely, definitely too 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 late, right? Um, and speaking about hiring, maybe another question I would have is, you know, again, given given everything which is going on in the world, you know, not just Gen AI, but you know how macro change and how you know thinking change and how probably like sales, marketing, you know, software development, like I guess like almost every function, you know, in the next five years will be different from how it was the last five years. Is there anything hiring wise that you and now looking out for in people, which you would say that like two, three years ago, I didn't pay that much attention to. Uh, like, so th this hiring, if, if you were in an interview yourself, right, where you say these three things are now important, which, you know, three years ago haven't been important. Um, you mean by characteristics? Characteristics, you know, values, skills, like anything that, that you know, you, you, you pay more attention to or attention to at all that, that has changed? Yeah, I think... For our company, it's uh, it's always important like to to have a good mixture of uh, culture, mm -hmm. and uh, we had uh, we have a, a very strong team uh, in Brazil in Brazil, mm -hmm. and a very strong team in Austria because like uh, I I live in Brazil and my co-founder lives lives in Austria. Right. It's just for, from that natural uh, like recommendation and network we had yeah. that grew that way but uh, we always wanted to be a remote a fully remote company mm -hmm. and uh, what we are looking especially uh, into is hiring uh, people in other countries to not have that group building to not have that yeah. like two points uh, usually yeah. on the globe where uh, where a lot of people are because I think that there's so much uh, value can, you can get out of uh, um, uh, different cultures. Mm -hmm. So uh, we are looking for people now in, in India, in Australia, uh, even in China. Just to have this mix. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's what we are looking for now. Interesting. And maybe uh, last question for today. Is, is there any book or blog that you, that you are, you know... Um, Happy recommending uh, something that you know inspired you recently, or which you would say, "Hey, this is a must, must read." You know, for everyone, uh, for every entrepreneur, for every you know person running business or technology. I think books are dead. Podcasts, are... yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when I look at my children, I have three children, and they, I, it's it's very difficult to for them to read a book. I mean, they all knew too much distraction. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> I think. Um, a podcast I listen to is, which is very good. I think it's uh, the Diary of a CEO. Um, so really, I think YouTube can just deliver so much um, value uh, instead of books. I mean, e now even with AI, there will be so many books out there uh, because it gets so easy to create a book yeah, everyone. that it's just a commodity. Yeah, I have uh, tomorrow. I have my 
my personal history or, or, or my biography ready yeah. because the AI helps me. And that's why I think that the books are losing value mm. and uh, video content, original video content is getting more value. Right. That's actually interesting. I, I, speaking about YouTube and, and AI, I saw a guy just, just you know, for fun running this experiment of basically prompting something very very simple like uh, just a couple of lines of you know asking for a fairy tale and just giving like some high 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 level context only and then asking for like a 50 pager you know story to be generated for 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 kids right of a certain age and and, and this was interesting you know how you know <laughs> ai was elaborating like based on these three lines of you know very very high level input and creating five fifty pages, I didn't. I didn't read all the fifty pages. Maybe it was all like you know bullshit. But but like you know, the, 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 to your point, right? So I think everyone everyone can can easily become an an, an author uh, in the future. Yeah. No, great. This was uh, super insightful, Alex. So thanks for joining. Uh, many great great uh, statements and a lot of uh, wisdom, and uh, definitely a lot of you know. Um, important uh, valuable information you shared from 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 uh, you know your career so thanks for being on the podcast thank you too hey bye bye <laughs> bye